Hello and welcome to the DJ Force 10 in Conversation podcast, episode 136. Um, and today kicks off a very special uh, feature that I'm going to run hopefully every Friday is my plan, and that is to talk to a DJ. Um, now, because uh, as you probably know, my, my passion is DJing, my hobby, my uh, part profession uh, is DJing. Any of you that kind of got involved last year, I did 365 days of scratching, not to boast about it, but I did it. Um, but I also DJ nightclub and stuff as well but i've always been uh interested in djing since a very early age and uh scratch dj still am uh i did that in a band uh, as some of you would know and uh yeah just i just want to talk shop with djs so every friday uh if it is your cup of tea that's what these uh, shows are going to be um but yeah i've got uh dj woody this week i've already got next week's lined up which is dj rasp as well but we're going to talk dj woody today who is a two-time world champion um in djing uh also uh innovator uh record label owner uh beat producer uh so many things so many things but go check out woodwork records which is his label uh if you're into scratch djing and stuff he's got some absolutely great uh scratch vinyl battle vinyl on there uh as well as his own albums and stuff like that so do go check him out um stream it on the services all that kind of stuff if you want to listen to his solo albums but he worked with um bands like i defy so it's kind of worked in the rock genre as well um for my friends that remember i defy um they're a metal band uh back probably same time as i was in a metal band because we toured together as we do talk about in the in the show we I, we did tour with i defy um and it was just kind of cool to find out how that sort of like came about and everything like that but you'll find that in the end I'm not going to spoil anything else. I just want to give a shout out to all the people downloading the show. Uh, last week, run of shows kicking off with Mike and Ming of Comic Book Men. Uh, that was awesome. I love that. And it's been very well received. We've got the video counterpart bit on the on the YouTube now. So you can actually visibly see me talking to these people, which is kind of cool. I want to try and set something up like that for uh, future episodes and things. So uh, keep your eyes peeled, literally, on that front. But I want to give a shout out to Bloodhounds as well awesome band uh great chat as uh as well hubris again another awesome band great chat um and fire Shrans, um who are again fantastic um and i'm absolutely loving their music right now <laughs> their videos but i've got their music on my on my playlist and i'm kind of listening to them uh obsessively i think is probably the word not religiously but obsessively uh but we've got loads of stuff coming up as well i'm not to sort of give you a bit of a spoiler as to what we've got coming up but um i've confirmed interviews and recorded interviews with uh, north atlas uh the black dahlia murder um tokyo blade pop evil um trapped and uh yeah i've got steve hackett as well which i did a few weeks ago which uh should be on its way out soon um but i've got plenty more lined up as well that i haven't recorded yet but i'm not going to release those till they're recorded all those other ones have been recorded so next week it's going to be a mixture of those going into the week after that as well because there's more than five there um and uh yeah i hope you guys are enjoying these chats really because they're 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 a lot of fun for me and um yeah i just i just want to know what you guys are listening to actually if you could uh, hit us up on the socials i think that would be really cool um some of you have been i've been getting messages on twitter getting uh messages on um on on facebook and stuff like that the two sort of main areas where i'm at just look up dj force x um and you'll find me 
and uh yeah i'm 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 digging it i'm digging it and i'm I'm loving what you're hearing um you know if if you give me recommendations as well i've got people recommending me bands to listen to and stuff which has been absolutely amazing i love that this is the kind of like community shit i want um just so i can discover bands that i've never heard before uh which is fantastic and if i find anything absolutely awesome or i fall in love with something i will give it a shout out and yourself on here um also when it comes to reviewing the show as well if you guys are up for that please do it uh your podcast platform of choice spotify apple uh wherever you're getting it i think spotify seems to be my main hits at the moment which is fantastic i can actually see a lot of like feeds from there um as well as the other sort of platforms that i've been on for longer they they've sort of got regular hits and stuff like that which is absolutely amazing but yeah if you could give us a shout out give us a follow you know whatever these things do go on my youtube channel uh subscribe to the channel uh i'm not charging for anything you know what i mean i'm not selling anything as such apart from myself my voice um but yeah i just i just want to know what you guys are listening to but i just want to see it's getting out there and you're enjoying the show as well so keep doing what you're doing and uh yeah much love for you so this is friday this is dj woody you guys enjoy it have a good weekend On my show today, I have DJ Woody. Welcome, DJ Woody. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. So, um, yeah, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing today? I'm all right, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, sort of uh, going about my sort of... uh... (laughs) My day in in the lockdown, as we all all are right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, cracking on with a a few sort of uh, label-related sort of bits and bobs today. Excellent. Well, you keep him busy, so you know that's important at this time. So, um, yeah, definitely. Well, what I wanted to do is sort of get a, sort of an uh, uh, establishing sort of like your journey so far, because um, I, I came aware of you. Um, I can't remember what year it was. I'm trying to hark back, but you worked with a band that I toured with called Idefy. All right, cool. Um, okay. And yeah. uh, I was I was actually DJing a metal band myself at that point. So, <laughs> and we, uh, oh, cool. we, we toured together, um, before you guys sort of like worked together, but it was, uh, yeah, I've, I've been in contact with Chris and, um, Tom for quite a while. Awesome. I actually have them for quite a while to be fair, but, um, no, I remember going out on the road with them and then when they recorded their album, they said they were working with you on a track, which I thought was really cool. So then I sort of found out a bit more about you and like, I'm like, cool. Who's yeah. this guy? Cause I was like, I'm, I'm well into sort of like the DJ side of things as, as people would know, but, um. Obviously, I don't know everyone. And um, no, I found out that you were working with um, Vestax um, at one point. Uh, was it the controller yeah, yeah, one? That was... Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the link with Vestax, uh, I'm initially, I, I used to do all the DJ battles and all that lot. And yeah. um, back then, the main three titles were the DMC, the ITF, and uh, the Vestax competition. So around the late. 90s i started doing the dj comps and i think yeah in 2000 i entered the vestax um competition and did i no i, I won the 2001 uh uk vestax and from there Ooh. they offered sponsorship and stuff so uh from nice. that um essentially there was kind of a, a 
pretty niche movement within turntablism at the time, sort of early 2000s, mm. um, which uh, there, there was various DJs, including myself, exploring the more melodic side of turntablism. Yeah. So a few of us basically wanted Bestax to actually produce a turntable that was um, actually designed for us rather than going from the Technics 1210 blueprint that, you know, it was essentially, you know, we were bastardizing the thing, you know, turntablism's punk rock, you know, doing something with a piece of kit that wasn't intended. Um, And by that point, we'd had about 20 years of development of scratching and nobody had actually designed a turntable for scratching with turntablism in mind, you know, making music by manipulating records. So, um, yeah, so there were a few people whispering in Bestak's ears with various ideas along that um, theme. Mm. And um, around 2003, um, they started getting serious about it. Uh, 2002, I won their world uh, title. And um, then 2003, they started uh, sending sort of initial ideas for this turntable and they flew us over to Japan for a meeting, design meeting, and I exchanged various um, sort of designs that I'd I'd put together and yeah. So it was myself and about five US DJs that all kind of chipped in with Vestax for that. And essentially it's a turntable that um, you can play scales on. Um, It's got buttons around the side that allow you to... um, shift the pitch of a of the platter yeah and so whatever sample source whatever record you've got on there uh, by musical increments and you can you know sort of have it's got a range of scales and you can set whatever root note you want and you've got a little toggle switch to go up and down a semitone and there's lots of different things that you can um do with it you can set your own you can um have it sort of remember like um, you can make your own scale on it as well. Oh, okay. It's MIDI compatible and yeah. all, all sorts of stuff. But it was essentially the first, um, it's yeah, sort of musician's turntable, if yeah. you will. Because I, rem- uh, I remember when, because I, I got um, a set of twelve tens, um, for like, my twenty first birthday. I was quite fortunate for someone else to actually pay for them uh, awesome. <laughs> at the time. <laughs> that um, was the best way. Yeah. Um, but over the years, when I was in this this band, um. I was always looking for ways for push, pushing what I was doing, um, and mm. I, I, I actually I, I uh, got the PDX two thousands, the Vestax, because um, I found them better yeah. for the road uh, generally because the Technics were nice, but they yeah. were very sensitive. Um, com- yeah, and the weight a as well. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> and um, the the two PDX two thousands that I've got, I've still got one of them now actually. But um, that 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 served me for a good ten years on the road, and and I I looked into getting the controller one because like as like you guys were doing, you were pushing the envelope really, uh, in trying to sort of like get the the to become more of an instrument, you know. And I was always messing with the pitch, yeah. jumping the needle around on different tones. I had um a record with like guitar tones on it. Uh, I think it was a Swamp Breaks. Awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was using that like just mimicking guitar riffs and stuff like that, just jumping between cutting riffs. Um, uh, but oh, I always yeah. wanted something that I could like kind of play along, you know, rather than having like a synth or something like that. 
just having the turntable yeah. to play along and i did look into getting one of those but at the time i couldn't i couldn't get my hands on one so <laughs> it was like yeah unfortunately it was a very it was a niche niche product i mean yeah turntablism as a thing within dj culture is niche anyway and we were kind of like i said there was a handful of people you know you have people like radar and dj quest with live human um who'd done stuff and obviously there's pickles but like on the more melodic side um there were very few people really wanting to develop that that side you know um and you know it was sort of myself and d styles and excess and ricky rucker and mm. mike boogie and you know there was all these guys really trying to get musical on it and i think the introduction of the pdx 2000 like you say that that opened up so many musical avenues yeah. because the the pitch when you moved it you know it it, it shifted you know yeah. whereas people like kid koala who's like you know i'm a massive fan of kid koala you know the drunken trumpet sounds drunken because he's using techniques you yeah. know because it doesn't react um instantly whereas the, with the best actually have plus or minus 50 and it opened up so many more avenues yeah. and uh yeah, the the C one was just uh, um, the the promotion was pretty terrible, but well, non-existent. But also, it was such a niche thing. I, I don't think yeah. the whole idea had really captured, um, you know, people's sort of the attention of the wide public, really, or the you know, sort of yeah. I yeah. don't know. It's a hard one really no, but, it um, but it was certainly it needed to be done and it was a, a great great project and it's a little piece of history so yeah um, but i mean the great thing about it is uh, was and is that um using something like that all of a sudden you can speak the same language as the musicians you're working with because yep. you, you mentioned i i defy uh, the reason i got hooked up with those guys was uh carl sharrocks the drummer um he well we we go back to sort of the mid 90s um when i finished uni um together with um, a guy called gareth uh, malinson Saconical, and uh, a few other guys yeah um we started a, a jam night in manchester i think it was about 97 uh called pork scratching and and that it, it was it was a freestyle really it was sort of a Carl on the drums, uh, our mate Gaz uh, on a bass, and um, Gareth on a sampler, and, and me and my mates on the turntables, really, sort of. But we'd, t- we'd start from the turntables, introduce a sample, and from there the musicians would kind of uh, play around it. And it was a free-for-all, and, you know, it was quite hectic and whatnot. But for me, that was possibly one of the, one of the sort of seeds that was sown sort of this kind of obsession with trying to prove the turntable as a legitimate instrument you yeah. know with it being such a new instrument you've got to fight that that whole notion that dj you know it's such a wide sort of um it's it's a catch-all sort of um phrase dj you know yeah so people can stick somebody like me in the same bag as whoever tiesto or whatever and think well they're all just djs they're not musicians yeah and my sort of being my bonnet was look this is a musical instrument the great thing about this musical instrument is we can 
potentially be any instrument you know this is manual manipulation of of sound you know and if if you can do that manipulation in in such a way that you're creating you know um melody and rhythm and you know it's an amazing an amazingly interesting instrument yeah yeah no it was definitely that's that's a battle i fought pretty much every day being in this band (laughs) so it was um it was it was always the way especially working with bands you know yeah we were like riding the like new metal uh kind of wave that was happening at the time so you got um like seared in slipknot you got um uh, 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 DJ Kilgore in Incubus and all that kind of stuff, and the, uh, um, yeah, yeah, uh, Lethal in Limp Biscuit as well. But um, y- yeah, you kind of like you had to just. Uh, I never liked justifying my existence within a band, but it was always kind of like <laughs> um, it's that battle, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and and I, I you know, I thought Run it DMC and, had it with yeah, Run DMC had it with Jam Master J. You know, yeah. they were on lineups. With with rock bands and you know they sort of uh, talk about it in in the rhymes you know I think it's always been there yeah but, uh, yeah just sort of proving proving yourself as yeah a, yeah um, as a legit musician or whatever yeah yeah no definitely definitely but you know t- test of time and whatnot we did it for like ten years and you know eventually people sort of came around to it and then we stopped so <laughs> I think there's a generational thing as well you know because. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I remember I did a video um, when Lemmy passed in, at Ace of Spades, and uh, yeah. that ended up getting such a, yeah, you get like, uh, yeah, the Motorhead fans absolutely hated it. You know, I got a real scene <laughs> for it. And because uh, of that, well, apparently Lemmy was quite famous for sort of dissing DJs, but I'm sure that was kind of you more electronic djs or yeah. what, whatnot but uh, it's a generational thing because at the end of the day i mean my generation most of my mates were heavy metal heads yeah. growing up and most of my heavy metal mates got right into run the mc when they came along you know yeah with the aerosmith uh sort of track and everything and you know so it's uh yeah you know when people see see what can be done i, th- I think you can persuade most people uh, of its uh legitimacy yeah definitely definitely um, so let's bring it up to uh, what you're doing now, because you've uh, obviously you've had quite quite a sort of like DJ career as such, but now you've got your um, own label, um, yeah. which is called Woodwork Records. And, yeah, uh, well, um, yeah, well, uh, the sort of name came from I had a website years ago, pre pre YouTube and and all sort of social media and all that, one, really. <laughs> Uh, back in the sort of forum days, if you will. Yeah. And uh, I just had a, a website that I just called Woodwork, because this thing that came into my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the name called Woody, but, um, and that just used to sort of um, post various scratch videos and whatnot. So I just, uh, and I, I think I put out a couple of mixtapes uh, under that banner as well. So um, the label pretty much started... Uh, as a means to release my solo album um, in 2016. Yeah. Um, I wanted to put it out, like, um, put it out myself, just do it independently and whatnot. And um, and everything sort of kind of went from there, really. Um, I did some stuff with um, Bocca 45 from Bristol uh, under the moniker of Bocca Woody. Um, that was all independent as well, but we sort of, up another little label for that yeah. um 
and it's kind of it's always been sort of something I've wanted to do, sort of making scratch records really, because um, I've, I've got I've got a scratch record that I made sort of early two thousands um, that's still on the computer, but um, at the time Serato came along and just kind yeah. of made that uh, market theme. Well, yeah, it just sort of uh, I think it put a bit of a of a dampener on that whole kind of um, all that that market, so I never yeah. ended up pressing it. But uh, after learning, you know, more about the process through putting a few sort of uh, music projects out, um, I realised people do buy records, and I, I worked out how to do it, and my production skills um, had sort of uh, gotten a lot better from when I was younger. So I uh, decided to start uh, putting a few scratch records out and stuff. That's awesome. No, I've got a couple of them myself. Um, first one Not I actually picked up was uh, from a store near me called Dance Two. Um, oh right, okay, Jazz Two. Jazz Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he had it in stock. I think it was your the um, the yellow one. Is that Volume One? Flexing hard. All right, yeah, it's like an idea. Yeah, and um, yeah, no, I picked that up, and then and then I've uh, invested in a few more of your bits and bobs as well along the way. Um, <laughs> I've actually what I want to talk to you about was your grind strip um, as well as. Oh, all right, okay. Yeah, I got, I've got a couple yeah. of those. I got one on my uh, on my on my turn on my Technics, and I just got one for my portable as well. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. It's just even even when I'm using like phase and stuff, it still works, which I find yeah baffling. But <laughs> well, well, it just kind of it, it's random because I've I've always been a bit of a, um, yeah. I'd, like I said, one of the, one of the things I love about turntablism is just the experimentation, you know, and and the fact that the yeah we've got ways of notating uh, scratches and you know there's a lot of sort of online resources for learning particular scratches and everything's got a name these days. But yeah. you know when I started out it was it was like uh, like witchcraft, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's nobody teaching you anything. You've figured it out for yourself, and you know like we were learning cuts from just listening to records thinking what the hell is it how's he achieving that and that kind of ex- explorative nature mm. i've just always really enjoyed about it so you know whether it's you know cutting chunks out of records to try stuff or if it's doing something weird to your turntables or, or yeah. whatever that that whole aspect of, of um the art form I, i've always loved so the grind strip idea initially came from um it was something that i put forward to vestax for the controller one turntable Mm. and one of the ideas at at the time there was a lot of um exploration with fadeless scratches and i'd done like cuba had had done a bunch and mixmaster mike had you know sort of done stuff and uh, i'd done like one of my battle routines was like super heavy in that, um, sort of, in 2001, I think it was, that I was doing all the battles, and that was like a big exploration on that front. And, um, yeah, this idea for the controller one was that you'd have an additional kind of um, almost corrugated edge around the side of the platter, uh, because why not, yeah. basically? And if, if you stuck your finger on this corrugated edge as you move the record back or forth, it'd give you that sort of uh, vibrator, vibrator sort of um, kind of kind of sound. Yeah. And um, 
it, it never got picked up by uh, by Vestax. There was a bunch of stuff on the drawings <laughs> I'd sent them that kind of, uh, I think, you know, there was just, yeah, there was just tons of stuff. So uh, it never got picked up. But years later, I found, I found these uh, designs on my computer. And uh, I saw it, I'm like, all oh, right, well, how can we have a go with this? And then I, I looked at the, the existing controller one, the, the, the one that got manufactured, and yeah. I realized that um, the placement of the buttons um, that I'd suggested the best act at the time, just around the sort of bottom left of the turntable, mm. as well as being pitch buttons, also lent itself to this kind of uh, sort of grind strip idea. So I just tried it, um, and it and it worked basically. So um, so I just had the idea to sort of knock knock some up myself, yeah. you know, that you can stick on anything, and you know, it's sort of uh, I don't know, it's a bit a bit quirky and whatnot, a bit a bit of a crazy idea, but uh, yeah, it's a bit of fun, and it yeah. gives you some weird scratch sounds. So no, it does. Not? If if I'd had that, say, like ten years ago. It would have been great. I used to like um, when I was like, like the faderless scratching, but it was like one hand, and then I'd sort of like tap on top of that hand that was holding the the record to sort of give that yeah, yeah. kind of weird effect without tapping the record itself and sort of having the needle jump yeah. everywhere. It was kind of like I yeah, was yeah. doing stuff like that, and and if I'd had that, it would have had my hand free for the fader. <laughs> which yeah, well, that, that, that's really the idea, good. really. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. So it's um, yeah, it's a bit of fun. You get some weird wobbly sounds. So yeah, yeah. no, I love it. I'm, yeah, I, cool. I, it's just so, something so simple. But I'd never thought of even putting something on the turntable to like even mimic that kind of thing. I didn't even my brain didn't even compute that side of it. So I was just like, when when it's I saw simple it, simple stuff though. Yeah, it's all, yeah. It's always the it's always the obvious stuff, isn't it? That, uh, that yeah, yeah, definitely, know, definitely. Um, so yeah. a, a couple of things I want, I want to chat about. One, one is your uh, the new group you set up on Facebook, the uh, Faded Scratch Senior Scratch Club. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, Wicked. Because we're all of a certain age, and uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you know. it, it seems that way, doesn't it? it you does. know, I mean, I mean, I mean, luckily the whole portableist thing and um, gives turntablism sort of um, a, a more accessible price point than yes. it than it once did. Uh, you know. That, that I, I hate that. Obviously, you know you've got you. You know you've got controllers and whatnot, and you can download all your music for free these days. You know, yeah. I I remember half starving myself at school just to save up a quid a day to get a record at the end of the week. You know, not none of that these days. You can download, you know, sort of a, a ten thousand song collection in yep. five minutes. You know, so like the kids don't have that, but. You know, really, the digital side of things isn't doesn't necessarily make uh, things more accessible because you know a lot of these controllers are costing you know whatever five hundred plus you know yeah. to get a decent laptop. I mean, Christ, I mean, I'm not looking forward to the day my my kids want me to buy them a Mac laptop. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Too grand of a job, you know. Um, so the great thing about the portable thing is that uh, yeah, for 120 quid you know a 10 year old kid can be cutting do you know what i mean yeah. so i think uh that, that's brilliant um but yeah like certainly the, there is a generation of us lot who all kind of started whenever in the 90s or 80s or whatever uh even 2000s and we're all sort of in our 30s 40s and 50s yeah and whatnot um so the the forum just basically came from um well, I'm in a bunch of sort of aging skateboarder 
um, groups on Facebook because uh, I still skate for my sins. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and it's always a good banter, do you know what I mean? And I think the problem with the sort of online um, sort of DJ community, there's so many cool people, but like people often get dragged, particularly the older DJs get dragged into this whole sort of negativity, sort yeah. of, you know, dissing the younger sort of DJs or cultures and... Um, and it's, I just haven't got time for it at all, you know, right. like this, you know, you you could, you, I sometimes worry that somebody who doesn't know me might sort of tar me with that kind of true school brush, but like, you know, I'm essentially progressive, I just love this stuff, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm into what I'm into, and it's not because I think particularly or uh, politically or whatever that's <laughs> the stance I need to take, I just enjoy what I enjoy, so I, I do still play vinyl, but because I bloody enjoy it, you know yeah. what I mean? I've nothing against Serato, and there's so many cool things you can do with technology. So uh, so I just wanted to set something up for the kind of uh, people of our ilk just to have a laugh with, basically, yeah. sort of inspired by these um, forums like Middle-Age Shred and Over 40 Skateboard uh, yeah. Club and stuff like that. Um yeah, just to have a laugh. Yeah, no, I mean, a, I really like a, it. A bit of banter. Yeah, I really like it because it does have that vibe of like the old school, old school kind of forum kind of vibe where we kind yeah. of like our first sort of online interaction sort of started happening. But um, no, I love it because the the, ba- the the banter between some of the DJs is great, and and the general attitude of everyone is really good in there as well. There's very rarely any kind of like you know, like you say, the sort of like negativity that you get of of an old school dj against like one of these new school djs that has all these bits of technology and whatnot but um yeah i just didn't want that sort of gatekeeper mentality you know because yeah. it's a rich culture and it's great but it needs to be inclusive you know it does. And even when when i've had sort of younger djs sort of um message me and say oh, i really want to be part of it because it seems really cool but i think i'm too young and i'm like dude get, get stuck in do you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's about the appreciation of the culture it's not how many gray hairs you've got you know what i mean it's, you know it's, everyone everyone's welcome you know yeah no it's really cool and I, like when it comes to like that sort of technology side of things i was a kind of an early adopter of 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 the stanton uh final scratch um yeah which was yeah. like the hockey puck like sound card and stuff and... <laughs> yeah i remember getting one yeah. and, uh, <laughs> at the time but it never quite I, I don't know if it was my computer at the time but i, I never got it working at its to a satisfactory level um, I, I never we, played out with it because uh, i didn't have a laptop right. for one um but i yeah. used it in the studio and it was fine in there like it was running on either a, a power mac or a, or a pc um but i just used it to scratch up like vocal lines and stuff like that from the like from music uh the band thing and um you know and, do you remember those Tascam ones Yes. The, 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 and it was like a ma- putting a mouse on a turntable. I've got one. <laughs> yeah, I, I've still got one of those. <laughs> I thought they were great. Actually. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, really got, good. I've got the uh, I've got one. It's a TTM one. It's made by Tascam. Um, yeah, I've, yeah. Got, I've got the Vestax CD players as well. The CDX. So yeah, five. that's what you plugged it into, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started using those as well. Um, <laughs> oh, wicked! It was, it was great. It was like it was like, and then now I've got uh, I've got the phase um, set up, uh, the two like sensors and stuff, and just sort of like seeing well, yeah. like, which is kind of like the logical progression from that. Like, I feel that Tascam thing was phase for back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a different form of technology, but it's the yeah. same. Yeah, same principle. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, no, I, I've kind of held off on that. 
Yeah, it's not too. Yeah, no, I because I, I I just wanted something to be able to admit because it was like back then it was like you had to cut your own record if you wanted your own sort of sounds and stuff. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then eventually I was like, you know, I used the Tascam because you can have a CD in the CD player and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of you know generally adapted along and along, and then Serato kind of came along and and that's where I kind of like stopped being in a band, so I didn't invest in it. Um, yeah, and since then I've picked up along the way a tractor. Um, Audio Eight, Tractor Scratch Pro. Yeah, yeah, Audio Eight. Um, oh, there's loads of wicked ways to do it now. Yeah, right? yeah, and there's so many right. now. I mean, I look yeah. now, and and you've got all the sort of players releasing stuff. Then, and obviously, Tractor is still there as well. Serato is still there. Um, you know, like all yeah. the, all the different like programs and stuff. There's so much to pick from now. Um, which well, is great. I remember when we first um, when the pa- pa- first Pioneer little scratchable ones came out. I don't. The, the 1000 or the 800 yeah. or 500 I can't remember what it was but uh, I remember when they first came out and uh, a mate of mine got hold of it a really good producer called uh, Saconical the guy who we started the Port Scratching Night with yeah. and uh, he was he was making his album at the time and it's and it's a great sort of um, is it he's a, he's a pure scientist like Carl actually sort of drummed on a lot of his stuff as well Carl from I Defy and yeah um, and yeah, he's like, would you come around? Uh, made some really cool uh, sounds for you to scratch up. So we ended up doing this. Uh, it was sort of like uh, these acid bass sounds and stuff. And I, I absolutely loved it. I, I never adopted Pioneer turntables because by the time um, I was so much into turntablism anyway. But yeah. by the time uh, this hobby of mine had turned into a viable career, um, that was after I'd kind of won all the. Uh, DJ battles and stuff. So you know the places I was playing, it was it was hip hop tours. You know it was yeah. hip hop clubs, and um, you know that it just didn't the two didn't match. You know, so I never adopted it as a means of DJing. But mm. um, but for scratching up like our own sounds and stuff, this would be like ninety eight or ninety nine, whenever they got released. Yeah, um, absolutely loved it. And then when Serato finally came out um, at the time. I'd started touring with uh, DJ Vadim, mm. and uh, prior to uh, Serato, we he just got like all these sort of dubs made. I'm not sure if he did like really limited runs actually, because they seemed like properly pressed records, you yeah. know. But it was so expensive for him to do, yeah. and um, we we'd have, have all the show noises and samples and various beats that weren't, you know, released and stuff for the show, and um, yeah, we'd be cutting up those, which was great. But um, for every show, we'd, we'd set off from London in a in sort of uh, in a transit van, essentially, and um, we'd we'd be in Germany for three weeks, literally doing like eighteen shows in twenty one days, uh, playing all sorts of places in every little nook and cranny in Germany, yeah. and like some places they'd love real backpacky hip hop, some places they'd uh, be mad into the reggae, some places they'd Love the funk, and we were doing DJ sets sort of before and after every show oh. um, of vinyl, obviously. Yeah. And um, you just have to play it by ear, but you could never have enough records to cater for everybody. No. Um, and then Serato came along, and Badim's our tour, tour schedule was crazy. We, was do, we were doing like 120, 150 shows a year. Oh, wow. And uh, so, and they were a fledgling you know, company at the time. So we just sent the touring schedule to Serato and uh, they're like, yep, hell yeah, you can have 
have some of this for free. <laughs> uh, so they sent us the stuff, and uh, it was just a no-brainer. Um, sort of putting the the live set at least on the on Serato because yeah. it just worked. You know, it, there was no issues. Uh, but we had so much kickback from the hip hop community because we were, you know, it was, it was a pretty underground sort of grassroots sort of hip hop uh, clubs that we were playing. Yeah. And uh, the amount of time we'd be like somewhere random and, you know, a 15 year old sort of, sort of, uh, sort of hip hop dude had come up to Vadim who, you know, was whatever, you know, 20 years his senior, he's, you know, Vadim. Bad had or probably still has like a crazy record collection and all this, and uh, just to getting cussed by fifteen-year-old sort of <laughs> um, hip hop kids for like having a laptop on stage with him, you know, and it's like, dude, you, you don't realise we're doing, you know, yeah, twenty-five shows a month. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This this is like this is really useful for us, you know. Every time we get on a plane, you know, whatever. Um, so, but. You know, because of that, because of our sort of reluctance as well, I think for the first year of using Serato, at least, we were still just doing the live show on Serato and the regular DJing on vinyl. Mm. And then after a while, it just became daft. It's like, why don't we start actually putting tunes on Serato? Yeah. <laughs> you know, rather than the sample. Yeah. Um, so, we, so we started digitising everything, and you know, yeah, it just gave me so much more... Um, Options, you know, yeah. uh, you, you could play, you know, within our our musical taste. We could play to whatever crowd we're in front of, like better than we normally would, because we wouldn't be restricted to that certain section of the box. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah so yeah, I, I love all that stuff too. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's really cool. I mean, like I said, like I remember lugging record boxes, CD boxes, all that kind of stuff. And now I'm literally to the, some of the clubs I go to, I'm taking USB sticks and I'm like, yeah. my back is yeah, never, never been more thankful. I've never had the luxury of a USB stick. Oh, no. really? You haven't gone that far? Yeah. Okay. No, the clubs no well, I've, I've gone, I've gone full circle, man. Like I start, I started doing gigs with Bocker. Yeah. Uh, with the Bocker Woody project. And obviously, I've still got all my records, and I've still been buying records. But to be honest with you, for the for the sort of window of time where I was pretty much always DJing off Serato for the AV AV stuff and regular DJ sets, the records I'd buy would just be more gaps gaps in my collection yeah. that I, I really wanted to fill, or sort of more underground stuff that's not really for playing out. You know, just headphony stuff. Um, and then I started playing with Bocker, and I thought, well, he he just plays forty five, so this is when we are playing out together. It's a good excuse for me to crack out my forty fives, you know, because I never yeah. get to play him. And uh, I enjoyed it so so much, <laughs> and uh, I was just like, man, like you know, there's all these good things about Seattle, but most of the reasons people tend to sort of cite for their use of, of digital be it you know the size the weight this that and the other actually if you've got stuff on 45 it, it sort of solves half of them problems you know I can, yeah. I can get on a plane to France with like a hand luggage size bag and I've got 200 tunes in there that I can play for bloody hours yeah uh, you know like all, all apart from the sort of interesting 
sort of technological things you can do with uh, DVS, like um, the logistical things, you know, the size of the records, yeah. uh, both, you know. So, um, so I just enjoyed it. So I've, I kind of pretty much, unless it's an audio-visual show, uh, pretty much any DJs that I'm doing now is on 45. It's, just, <laughs> it's really fun slinging records on and off, yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah. doing it manually, you know. It just, just feels good. And yeah. I think I think I'd kind of bored myself as a DJ on TVF. I don't know. It was just kind of yeah. This is a... not a purist thing at all. This is a pure sort of experience of the you know the yeah. actual act of doing it. You know, uh, it was a visceral. It's yeah. just enjoyment. Yeah, you no. Know? It's like you go through that selection process where, like, if you're going through a physical thing, like. I always find it when I'm sort of like messing around at home and I'm going through my records and stuff and I'm like, oh, let's play that. Oh, that'll fit really well there. And it's the same when you do it mm. live because obviously you're reading the room and, and if you're sort of mm. like going through stuff on the DVS systems, it's fine. You're just like twiddling a knob going down the, the selection, um, like whatever category you're looking in. Um, but you don't, mm. I don't quite get the same vibe. Like you said, when you pull it out, it, like pull out that, that record and you're like, you know what, that's going to be really good. Let's do that. That'll mm. fit in really next. It doesn't have it. It's sort of you do have the same sort of thing going on, but not at the same time. I think it's that physical aspect of it because otherwise you're just staring at a screen. It feels like you're staring at a screen anyway. And just just to take one more aspect of your life off the screen, you know, we're yeah. so, so sort of we spend so much of our lives just staring blankly at screens, you know. Like so, so I mean, pretty much all of my work. Outside of DJing, yeah, I, I do all my own graphic design and stuff. That 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 was on A. I was supposed to be a graphic designer. Yeah. So so all, all the all the stuff for the label I'm designing. Obviously, you got all your emails up. Like the pretty much most of my production these days is is done on my computer. So there's so much of your life in the promotional side. You know, as an independent sort of musician, you know, you're doing all the social media and all that yeah. tackle. So to actually be performing staring at a screen as well it just yeah it just um yeah the, the more i can get away from screens the better yeah that's why like um like <laughs> i've adopted the because i was the clubs i'm playing they've got the setup for me to run run like usb sticks out of the cdjs but um yeah like i i so many pictures of like the club nights that i'm playing and when they take a picture of me like nine times out of ten it's just me gormlessly looking at my screen <laughs> <laughs> oh like, like, well, like so, so- I, I managed to. Um, I did an event in um, beat, the Beat Horizon event in Manchester about a month ago. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm doing a 45 set, and somehow uh, they had uh, a decent photographer taking shots and stuff, and he, he sent me some, some of the photos through. And I'm somehow doing Serato face at my uh, record box, <laughs> <the> sort of <laughs> tongue hanging out, sort of looking slightly gormless. But uh, <laughs> caught me at just the wrong uh, wrong spot. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I've got I've got uh, one question left for you, um, uh, yeah. Woody. Um, if that's all right, because um, um, yeah, I'll let you get on the rest of your day after this, obviously. Um, but what I want to find out is your um, this kind of this is like my generic po- part of the show, if you will. Um, but I want to find out okay. what the your three albums that have kind of um influenced you in the kind of DJ and person that you are today. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Three albums. Um, so, from a DJ 
perspective, possibly, I mean, I've got to go with a Run DMC album uh, because they were really... As a kid, I was never any good at breaking. So, like, <laughs> even though, you know, Electro was about, and that was cool, it was really hearing Run DMC for the first time, but yeah. absolutely sort of, yeah, was the one that kind of <laughs> set... Yep. To everything else uh, on its course, really, um, and and Jam Master J, yeah, um, and I think I think I'd heard Sucker MCs. I didn't have the, the first album straight away, but uh, I'd heard Sucker MCs and, um, and yeah, and I got King of Rock. But it was really uh, Raising Hell that uh, it was the one that was okay. just stuck in the in the tape player forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, that 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 was the one. Beats cool. to the rhyme and all that. Nice. Um, and second album. So I was into all your kind of sort of obvious ones, you know, sort of Eric B and Rackham, and Big Daddy Kane, you know, Steps Sonic, all that. But I really, really massively got into UK hip hop in the late eighties yeah. uh, and early nineties, and probably one of the most influential groups for me was Hijack. Um, now, well, the, yeah, their the 12s came out a couple of years earlier and the album was sort of put on hold for a couple of years, so it was slightly old by the time it came out. Yeah. But um, if we're talking albums, then Horns of Jericho, um, that came out about the time I was getting turntables uh, slightly before I think I was saving up for them and a mate of mine had turntables already but um, but that was kind of that was the benchmark that you know for me the scratching on that from DJ Supreme just absolutely wasted any other DJs that I'd heard you know like American or whatever you know it was like and um, and because I think at the time a lot of people who'd got into hip-hop with me, it was mainly my brother's generation, to be honest, um, like a few years older than me, who were like the original sort of hip hop lot. But I was kind of this sort of sort of young kid who through through my brother kind of uh, latched onto it. But nice. um, but yeah, sort of late eighties, you know, sort of northwest of England, all that original hip hop generation had all got into the warehouse sort of rave scene and yeah. all that stuff. And um, I just turned into this real kind of. You know, I'm just kind of you know sort of getting more into this. What you what you you lot doing over there? You know what I mean. So I, I turned into a real, real backpacker, and all that music, all that aggressive UK hip hop, sort of Britcore stuff, yeah. was really resonated. You know, like 1990, I was like a little aggro 13 year old, like <laughs> sort of you know the the only hip hopper in Burnley. You know what I mean? I was like mad, mad into it. So um, so yeah, home to Jericho, hijack. Um, and possibly Phantasmagoria D styles, I guess. Um, that is probably the best turntablist album <laughs> that's been made. Yeah. Um, you know, it's mad dark, you know what I mean? But like, uh, musically, what he was doing with turntables to produce all that music and the fact that it's all turntables, yeah, um, yeah, it's just an absolute landmark record for the culture really and um certainly yeah yeah just um something to aspire to really so uh 
Yeah, awesome. That's your guess. Cool. Well, Woody, thank you very much for your time, mate. I really do appreciate it. Um, no, it's good. Cool. Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I, thank you. <laughs> I'm wearing the faded <laughs> top right now, to be fair. And... <laughs> oh, dude, you're allowed to support him, man. Yeah, no worries. Um, but yeah, no, thank uh, you very much, man. You you have a good rest of your day. And, um, you too. Yeah, uh, be safe during this lockdown. Yeah. yeah, as long as my kids don't uh, drive me insane, I'll, I should be all right, yeah, hopefully. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, you take care, man. Thank you, mate. Have a good rest of your day. You too, man. Bye-bye.